Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We're a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. All right, good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible this morning, there should be a black hardback ESV in the pew near you. And uh, if you need a Bible, that is our gift to you. We will buy more. So uh, feel free to take that today. Uh, This morning, we're going to wrap up our series called Responding to God. And so uh, what we've done over the last several weeks is we've gone through the book of James. And so this is going to kind of close it out. This is going to be the last final portion of the book of James. Many of you are excited because it's been a very difficult book. Uh, It's been a challenging book for many of us. We've, we've looked at this one real thought all the way through. And let me see if you kind of remember. Our proper response to God is... Uh, you don't. Good. Okay, so faith. Faith, is uh, that's our proper response to God. Good to know you're listening. Good to know you're uh, paying attention. That's awesome. So it is faith. Our proper response to God is faith. And, and what James does is James says faith should produce fruit. It should always produce fruit. There should always be something that is evident about your faith. So as we've gone through this book, we've looked at how our faith is not dependent upon the circumstance that we're in. Uh, You may face many trials, and he says, consider it all joy when you face such trials. He he says, you're going to face temptation, but but God's going to be there with you. You should should, uh, respond to God with faith. He says, if God has your attention, then... You should have a proper action. If he's got your attention, then faith without works is dead. So there should be some fruit that comes out of that. And it should also not just be seen in your works, but also your words. And that was a difficult sermon. I I remember uh, a few weeks back, we covered that that our praise and the way we speak to one another should should not be uh, cursing in one moment and praising in another. We shouldn't be cursing our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and then praising God on the other hand. So we should have fruitful words. And we should respond to God with humility. We should respond with humility towards God because he has ultimate wisdom. I asked you the question, how many of you in here like to be right? And then I said the follow-up question, how many of you like to prove that you're right? And how many like to prove to the other people that they're wrong, right? And so we're all like, that's me, that's me, that's me. Uh, we should strive to have a faith that looks for Christ's righteousness rather than our being right. And then last week was a very difficult section of Scripture where we looked at life is not about what you gain. It's about giving God glory. We can make all the decisions in the world and we can be the CEOs of our life and we can decide, hey, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But the ultimate goal of our life here on earth is to give God glory. And so this morning, we're going to wrap up, and it's going to be more of an encouraging wrap-up. So that's, that's good, right? That's going to be more encouraging. James is going to end his letter to this group of Jewish believers that have been dispersed, and he's going to say, look, you need to respond to God in faith, in a gathering together in a faith community. If you want to survive, if you want to be sanctified, if you want to grow, if you want to see God work in your life, and if you want to see fruit come forth in your life, then you're going to have to surround yourself with others that are going to pray for you. They're going to be there for you. They're going to walk with you through this. You know, you've heard people say, well, I, I love Jesus, but I just, I just don't love the church. I don't really want to go to church because there's a lot of hypocrites in church, and I, I've been burned by the church, and so I kind of stay away from the church. These are all things people say, but... God's word points us to community. We all 
desire to be a part of something. We all desire genuine relationships. The question is, if community is important, then what, what community is essential for growing your faith? And I would say it's the church community. So I was, I was uh, a few weeks back, I ran into an old friend from high school. It had been 20-something years since we had seen one another. And you run into people at the weirdest places. Have you noticed that? <clears throat> we were standing in line at a food truck. This food truck moves around to different parts of the city all week long. And we just, we happened to find it that day. And if you haven't eaten at a food truck lately, let me encourage you. You need to eat at a food truck. It's so greasy and delicious. I mean, you feel unhealthy, but it's worth it, okay? Like, you feel like that was worth the grease. So we stood in line, and I got my, my tater tots tossed in some secret sauce that was just awesome. That's extra. That was just extra. I'm hungry. So, you know, I'm sitting there, and we're talking. He was like, Jeff, what have you been up to? And so we're talking about our families. We're talking about our kids. We're talking about our occupations. We're, we're catching up over 20 years. And he says to me, he says, you know what? You probably don't see me because if you don't break bread with me on the softball field, then I don't do life with you. I mean, that's, that's literally the terminology he used. If you're not breaking bread with me on the softball field, then I probably don't do life with you. We're probably not going to run in the same circle. We're probably not going to be a part of the same community. We all long for community, but being a part of the right community is essential. There's a, there's a community of faith that we're called to be a part of. The writer of Hebrews would say it this way before we get into to James. He says this in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how to stir up or stimulate one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I love this word, stimulate. In the Greek, it actually has the meaning to, to provoke or irritate. And some of us are really good at irritating one another in the community of faith. Am I right? We're really good at that. that but this is a positive stimulate. This is a positive irritate. Now, last year for my, for my wife for Christmas, I decided to redo the kitchen. I decided to take all the cabinet doors down and repaint the cabinets. And so I had to take all the doors, all you know, 40-something of them. I had to take them down and take all the hinges off and I had to take them to this shop and I had to sand every single one of those doors, right? I had to irritate the surface. I had to rub the surface because there was no way the paint was going to stick if I didn't do it. I had to take some time and rub on those things. There's, there's a special thing about being a part of God's community is that when we get together, there's a positive rubbing that takes place. Some of you will rub the Jesus right off of somebody else, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this positive rubbing where, where God is molding us and shaping us and leading us and guiding us to be more and more like his image. And it takes this time. It takes there this, this friction that, that is in the body of Christ. And so you're needed in the body of Christ. Basil, an early church father, he said it this way, when we live our lives in isolation what we have is unavailable, and what we lack is unprocurable. Basically, what Basil is saying here is when we live in isolation, we rob the church of what we have. Each and every one of us, as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, have been given a special gift of the Spirit. And why is it special? Because no one has your personality. No one has your life experience. Nobody has what you have joined with the gift of God. And so when you bring who you are with the gift of God into the community, 
You bring something that no one else has and everyone else needs. And it's unavailable if you don't join in a community of faith. But it's also what you don't have is unprocurable. It means there's things that other people have that God has given them that you desperately need in your life so that you can respond to God properly with faith that has fruit. We need community. And the right community is essential. So James chapter 5, I'm going to read through uh, these verses, verses 13 through 20 through the end of the letter. And, and uh, I want you to follow along with me. And as we break these down here in just a minute, you're going to see that there is a push towards a community of faith and responding to God. Verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for a community of faith that you have designed for us that would help us respond properly. It would help us respond properly in faith. God, each and every one of us come in here maybe suffering, maybe cheerful. God, you've gathered us for the purpose of, of glorifying you this morning. May our hearts be tender towards you. May our ears be attentive towards you. Father, we love you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. First thing that we see this morning is we need to respond in a community of prayer and praise. We need to respond in a community of prayer and praise. Verse 13, let anyone among you. So he's, he's assuming that you are among others, right? That you're gathered together. If anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. You see, we need to be a part of a community, and that means we need to respond to God by consistently participating, not just attending, in corporate worship. It's easy for us to go and to attend a worship service. Now, for, for many of us in, in the South here, I mean, you've got churches on every other street corner, and so you can decide. You can wake up on a Sunday morning, and you can decide, I'm going to attend church. But what the Bible calls you to do is to participate in church. Basically, these two sum it up. If, you, if you're suffering, if you've had a hard week, why don't you join together with other brothers and sisters and pray? If you've had a good week, if you've had a cheerful week, and you're waking up, and the sun's shining, and the birds are singing this morning, and you're like, woo-hoo, and you're like singing and whistling your way to church, then come on in here and let's sing praise together. He says, you need to consistently participate. I like what Don Whitney, Whitney says in his book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. 
There's an element of worship in Christianity that cannot be experienced in private worship or by watching worship. There are some graces and blessings that God gives only in the meeting together with other believers. A few years back, um, there's a conference going on called Passion. And it's for young adults, and I'm no longer considered a young adult. So I decided to watch the simulcast. I decided to put it up on my big flat screen, and I was like, I'm going to be a part of the passion movement this week, and I'm going to watch their worship, and I'm going to, I'm going to sit there, and I'm just going to have my little moment in my, in my uh, living room and listen to the speaker. And I just stood there in front of it. I kind of swayed back and forth. And I was like, this is so good. Man, that's some good worship. Those are some good words. I like that. But there's something was missing. I mean, I could watch it. I could see it, but I could not experience it. There's something that you miss when you don't join together in corporate worship with other believers. And and I believe this, that participation in corporate worship is essential for every believer in, in their right view of God and for every believer's right view of reality. There's something that we need to reset on every single week. We need to reset on the fact that God is a holy, holy God. We need to reset on the fact that that there is an ultimate reality out there that is far bigger than what I'm going through right now. It's far bigger than just my little isolated world. You see, corporate worship reminds us that God is greater so we can petition to Him our needs. When we join together in corporate worship, we're reminded that God is so much greater. He is holy, holy, holy. He has created all things, and all things are held together through him. He has sent his one and only son into this world that we may have life and have it more abundant. There are some truths that we're reminded when we join together with other brothers and sisters, and we praise God. And if we've had a hard week, we pray with one another. These are things that we need to be reminded on a consistent basis because we make life about ourselves. He reminds us that God is ultimately worthy of praise so we can proclaim his excellencies. We can sing songs that proclaim that he is worthy, worthy, worthy. It reminds us that he is a loving God, full of wisdom and truth, so we can stand on his word. It reminds us when everything in this world is falling apart, there is one thing that holds true. And when we join together in corporate worship, not just, not just attending, but participating, we remind ourselves that God's word is true. He is faithful. He is true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. This is why worship involves prayers. This is why worship involves praise. And this is why worship involves the proclamation of God's word. Because we need to be reminded of the ultimate reality that one day... We will stand with a church, a universal universal church of every nation, tribe, and tongue in a corporate worship moment. And we will sing songs of praise. Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders 
and of the, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. One day, we're going to be a part of a giant, large group of a universal church standing together in corporate worship, and you're going to be shouting, and you're going to be singing, and you're going to be praising because there is one who is worthy. Amen? Yes, and this, this right here this morning is a taste of what's to come. We're not just here to attend. We're here to participate in an ultimate reality that one day will become true because we will stand before a holy, holy, holy God and we will bow before him because he is worthy. We need corporate worship to respond to God properly in faith. So how do you come in here this morning? Are you suffering? Pray. Are you cheerful? Let's sing songs of praise together. Are you participating? Or are you spectating? We are called to worship. When we join in corporate worship, God loves not only to change our minds, but also to change our hearts through the truth sung in a song, in a prayer prayed out loud, or in a scripture read. God is at work in the midst of his people when we join together corporately in worship. We may be doing something on the exterior, but he is always working on the interior when we sing songs of praise and we, when we bow before him and pray. So we need to be a people who respond in faith a faith community. The next step, respond in a community of prayer and pastoral leadership. James goes on, he says, if anyone among you, there again, that terminology, you're, you're among other brothers and sisters. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let, him pray, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And he, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. It's easy to attend church. It's easy to, to participate in a big corporate setting. But it's another thing to join a church, to, step, to take the next step forward in responding to God and community by submitting yourself to the under-shepherding of the local church. To say, I want to be a part of a body of believers. I want to join with them, and I want to join under elder leadership. We here at Meadowview, we are an elder-led church. We are, there's a plurality of elders that are praying for you. I join with them. It's not just one man making the decisions for this church. It's a, it's a body of men who desperately long to see God lead and guide his church because this is his church, not our church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's God's church. So it's a part of joining in and saying, I want to be in the under-shepherding of the local church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's the saints that do the work of ministry. He has given the church elders, overseers, shepherds, teachers, He's given them to the church to help equip the saints for the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. One day, sanctification will end and we will stand 
in glorification before God. It will be in the fullness of Christ. We will stand there. But until that day, God's given us the church so that we could be part of a community of faith, that we could respond properly to God with faith that has fruit because we were being built up as the body. And so we need to submit ourselves into the body and say, I want to be a part of a body. As Paul tells Titus to set up elders, he says this in Titus 1, 6 through 9, If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery and insubordination. For an overseer, an elder, same word in the Greek, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to, the, to rebuke those who contradict it. As Paul tells Titus to set up churches, he says you need to set up godly men who will be God's stewards. I want you to see that. The prophets and the apostles and the teachers and the shepherds and the elders, God places men of these giftings in the local body to steward his beloved bride. It's his. It's, it's all his. If, if you were in the lobby, you, there's a scripture that's right there. You can read it. It's this one in Colossians 1, 18 through 20. And he says this, And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all is all the fullness of God that was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of of the cross. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the shepherd of the church. As we join together in a community of, of fellowship, in a community of faith, we join together and say, Jesus Christ is the head. He is leading and guiding, and I submit myself to that. I want to be a part of his body, joined together in corporate worship, joined together because if anyone is sick, sick, this word sick, it means weakness in the Greek. Infirmity, doubt, hesitation. Yeah, it can be used for physical. But this entire letter, James has been talking about weak brothers and sisters because of trials and temptations and struggles and, and things they're doing because they're not showing a, a faith that produces fruit. They're struggling in their faith. They're weak in their faith. And he's like, look, if any of you, if any of you are gathered together and you feel like this is you, if you feel weak, why don't you call on the elders, pray for you? Why don't you call for help? Why don't you join with the body and say, I, I desperately need help? James says, if you're weak spiritually, if you're suffering and sin and trial and temptation, and you're spiritually weak, call on the elders, the local elders and shepherds that God has placed over you in the local church for them to pray for you because spiritual strength is found in prayer. I want you to understand that spiritual strength is found in prayer. And many times when we are the weakest in our faith, we stop praying. Maybe you've come to a point where you've stopped praying. That's when you call an elder. I need you to pray for me. I just don't even know what to say anymore to God. I, I've just ran out of words. 
I feel so distant from him. I feel so weak. I feel so alienated from God. Will you pray for me? Now, as the elders, we, we have in the past, we have anointed with oil and we have prayed over those who are physically sick and we're not going to stop doing that. That's, that's what we feel like God's called us to do. But that's just one interpretation of the scripture. But, but we are going to be elders down front today. As we respond in worship at the end of service, the elders, myself and Al and Joe and Jonas, we're going to be down here on the front pew. If you just want to walk up and grab our hand and say, will you pray with me? We would love to pray with you. We would love to pray with you. And as I'm about to get into, maybe you need to grab the hand of the person next to you and say, will you pray with me today? I'm struggling in my faith because there's power in the prayer of a righteous person. Let them call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. The word anointing does not imply a ceremonial religious practice or for medicinal purposes. It, it is just a common word that means to pour oil on something. And, and so it's, it gives this idea that prayer soothes the sickened soil like oil massaged into the skin soothes the weakened body. You need to be prayed for. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Why? Why would you submit yourself to a local church and its elders for leadership, guidance, and prayer? Why? Because this is how we find spiritual restoration and spiritual strength, and we are built up into Christ. We need a community of faith in order to respond properly in faith with fruit. We need one another. Ephesians 4, again, 11 through 12, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Why would you join a church? Because you want to be built up in the body of Christ. So you've got, you've got participating in corporate worship. You've got submitting yourselves to the local church. And, and you're going you're gonna to do that so you can be built up. He goes on to say this, the Lord will raise him up. The Lord does the work. We pray and the Lord works. If he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. God will rebuild. If you're weak today, if any of you are suffering, if any of you are spiritually sick, God will rebuild. He will build you up in the body of Christ. He will begin to do a work in your heart, but not a hard heart of resistance, but a humble heart of humility and brokenness. The word raise means to arouse from sleep, to wake you up. How many of you need your souls awakened by God? How many of us need God to wake us up? Well, this is how you would do it. Third step, respond to the community of prayer and power. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, Wednesday night in uh, our adult Bible study, it was, just a, it was just a bunch of men this week. And we were starting off and we were sharing prayer requests. And I came into church Wednesday wounded by some bad news. And I decided to share that. I hadn't, I hadn't planned on sharing it, but I just shared it. And I was broken. 
But I can't tell you how comforting it was to hear godly men lift up my hurt. This is what, there's power in a prayer that's working. God is at work in the prayers of his people. And some of us want to isolate ourselves and not share the pain that we're going through, not share the trial we're going through. We want to just suck it up and do it because we are those types of people. But God says in a community of faith where you're hurting, call on your friend. Take the hand of the person next to you and say, I desperately need to hear the prayer of someone lifting me up right now. There's power in prayer. We can't, we can't keep coming to church and just participating and not praying for one another. This is the beauty of the local church. The best way to respond to God in a community of faith is by being known in a community of faith. The best way to respond to God in a community of faith is by being known in a community of faith. You can hide in a crowd. You can hide in the casual, hey, how are you? Fine, good, thanks for asking, see you next week. But I know for a fact that there are some of us who have walked in here with wounds, spiritually weak. Maybe there's sins in our life, maybe there's temptations in our life, and we're just, we're just holding it all in. I don't want to tell people what's going on. The best way to respond to God in faith is to be known in a community of faith. We are called to confess for healing, not to confess for hearing. I say that because a lot of us just want to get it off our chest. A lot of us just want to talk about what's going on. We just want to, we just want to talk about what, what we're struggling with, but we don't really want healing. When he says confess your sins to one another, he's saying you, you come to a point in your walk with Christ where you're like, I desperately need God to work. I'm at a point where I need God to work. So do you want God to work or do you just want to whine? There's a lot of whining in church. Not a lot of people falling on their knees saying, God, I need a holy, holy, holy God to do a mighty, mighty, mighty work in my heart today. And that's what we do as a body of believers. Sin wants to isolate us. Sin wants to make us think that we're alone, but... We are encouraged by James to confess, to let it out, to be honest, to share our struggles, to let people know that we're in a battle, to let people know that we're weak, to let people know that we feel defeated today, that we're weary, that we're exhausted, that our souls are parched, that we feel dry. We're to tell one another that because we desperately want to see God work. You see, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He struggled just like us. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. For three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Pray, and pray fervently with one another. Pray for God to send down refreshing rain on dry, parched land, on the weary, on the weak, the exhausted, the, the parched soul that needs an outpouring and the refreshing of God. Let me ask you. Look at me. Is your soul weak? Are you dry? 
then why wouldn't you take an opportunity joining together in corporate worship to cry out to God, send your rain. Send your spirit on my soul because I am parched and I am dry and I am struggling right now and I need to be able to respond in faith and I just don't feel like I have it anymore. And that's when the body of Christ comes alongside and says, I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. And you will find healing. And you will find restoration. He will send his rains again. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. You see, without accountability in the church, we, are, we easily wander away from the faith. Why would you need to be known in the community of faith? Because when people know you, they'll keep you accountable. It, we need to join together in corporate worship. We need to submit ourselves to the local body and say, I want to be a part of this church body. But we also need to be known by one another. We need to take off the church mask, lay it aside, come in, be honest, be real, and share. And, and why? Because God uses human instruments to turn sinners back from the error of their way. God uses the church. God uses his people. God uses brothers and sisters in Christ to turn you back towards the right path. So that means that God wants to use you in bringing back someone who has wandered away from the faith. God wants to use you. And it's hard to use you if you're not known. It's hard to use you if you don't allow yourself to be known. God wants to use you. As the band comes up, and as we enter into a time of response, I feel like the time of response this morning should be a time of prayer. The elders are going to come forward, and they're going to sit on this front pew, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask us all to stand here in just a second. But when we stand, if, if you need to bow, you bow. If you need to grab a hand of somebody next to you and say, can I talk with you? You grab the hand of somebody next to you and say, can I talk to you? I'm weak. And let's carry one another's burdens because that's the call of the church. Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Please subscribe to hear new sermons each week.